You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 357. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Onniko Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hallo! Hey son, hey son! Good to be Woo-hoo. back. Good, good, good to have you back. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where have you been? Traveling all over the world? Yeah, yes, that too. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, yes. We, um, uh, as you know, but maybe <laughs> our listeners don't know, Claire and I, we decided that Australia wasn't big enough for us, so <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we hopped over to New Zealand. For a Which week. is a much smaller place than uh, Australia. Is. It is big enough when you're trying <laughs> to cover it in a car <laughs> from top to bottom in just five days. It was pretty intense car ride, but it was the way we did it was rather crazy because we we wanted to see everything from the North Island and everything from the South Island, and we had five days to do it. So we got into a car, and I think we drove like crazy way over two thousand kilometers in five days. Ooh, and that, that's a lot. And it's hard to say that that's something to recommend, but we actually <laughs> had a great time. And okay. uh, uh, New Zealand, for people who haven't been there, is fantastic. It has every kind of landscape and scenery you could imagine. It's got glaciers or whatever's left with them of them. It's got uh, Norwegian fjords. It's got wine districts that looks like Toscana in in Italy. <laughs> it, it's it's got everything. It's got it's got rainforests. Well, it is just amazing, and you can actually enjoy that from the inside of a car if you if you <laughs> have to. Which we had so we uh, we saw Hobbiton, the you know the place where they filmed yeah. the mm-hmm. parts of the the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. And then we... Um, did you meet any skeptics? We did meet skeptics, yes. Actually, we met... I mean, uh, not, not on the roadside or something. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. No. no. That, that was a planned thing, right? Uh, no, not <laughs> random. We actually ma- managed to, to team up four with four different skeptic groups. So, oh, nice. So in, we met with them in Auckland, in Wellington, even if that was only for two hours because we, had a, we were in a, in a rush, but it was great. We and this is a town that I think I will never learn to pronounce. Dunedin, Dunedin, lovely people there, even if it's hard to pronounce the name of the city. And it then, sounds very, very Nordic. I mean, I mean, it, it sounds as if it was something on your turf. I, <laughs> I may be wrong, but I think it's it's more Scottish. I think it was okay. very, very uh, influ- influenced by by Scottish uh, culture, uh-huh. and then okay. uh, Christchurch. So Christchurch is on the South Island and Auckland is on the North Island. So we flew into Auckland, we got into the car and we drove the crazy distance, uh, seeing a lot of good things and fantastic things along the way. And then we flew out of Christchurch, which is on the South Island. So Mm. uh, we had a great time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you you should have come with us. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I I have the same feeling about this. <laughs> I I had a little bit of an envy towards you guys as well, but uh but I'm so happy for you as well. Yeah. But I'm I'm afraid it was uh, 
because of our, f- our fam- family business today, where I, I think it was the right decision not to yeah. not to go and join join you. But uh, Fully I'm, I'm really hoping. And, and let me just say that if, to all the lovely people, all the lovely skeptics in New Zealand that met up with us, uh, we had a great time. Thank you so much. It was very very <laughs> good. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <Awesome>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, I still feel very grateful for for whatever we got from the Australian friends of us as well. They were amazing. To, to, um, in they, they treated us like 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 rock stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not gonna keep saying that and mentioning that. It's just that it's still it's still in us uh, that 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 feeling of gratitude. And speaking of uh, people from Australia, there is um, one guy that we interviewed several times. Uh, I think at least twice. And uh, he runs uh, with a couple of European colleagues of his, Skeptical Science. John Cook is the person that I'm talking about. Woohoo! <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember, guys, or if our listeners remember that as well. But we talked about Twitter and how a lot of people are leaving Twitter at the moment. Mm. I suggested we don't do that because if everyone leaves who has a little bit of connection to common sense and scientific and critical thinking, then all of those who don't know what to think of climate science and the problems in the world, they are left alone. So without help, without any kind of leading figures. And I think it was a day before we released the episode that I saw the article on skepticalscience.com and they lament on the same thing. And they decided not to leave Twitter like many, many other people who just flee their social pla- media platform because of all the madness of uh, Elon Musk and every every crazy person being allowed back and all that. So I really agree with them. So I just wanted to give them a shout out for that mm-hmm. um, because it's I think it's the right decision to stay, to keep doing what they do on Twitter as well. But on the other hand, they did another very helpful thing. They pointed the reader to a bit of a how-to introduction material for Mastodon, because they go on talking about how Mastodon is a really, truly social kind of network in all the sense that it could possibly have, and uh, that they obviously joined Mastodon as well. But in the meantime, they're going to keep doing what they do in terms of uh, of public outreach on Twitter as well. So well done, mm-hmm. Skeptical Science. And I do encourage all skeptics um, to stay on. I mean, whether I stay on or not doesn't really make much of a difference because I'm not, I don't have a very large follower base there. But uh, those who do have that follower base, I think for them, it's important to stay. Mm-hmm. So we do have... Um, an episode to produce we are still remembering fondly what we went through in australia but obviously being podcasters we recorded a couple of short interviews along the way things that we thought would be interesting to our listeners as well so uh we thought that it might be a good idea to run a couple of them on the show We're still at the convention. It's, uh, well, soon coming to an end, unfortunately, because it was a wonderful weekend. And I'm here with Mandalay Noble from... Brisbane. So you're an activist. You're quite active, as I hear, in the Brisbane Skeptics 
is that an organization or like a, a group or um, in Australia we have sort of um, police organizations around all the states but then we have sort of a central organization which is the Australian Skeptics Inc yep. and I also do a little bit of work for Australia Skeptics Inc do some social media and that sort of thing for them and a little bit of my own activism when I get the opportunity to do so so that means that you work a lot with the Sydney guys because most of the Australian Skeptics Inc. people are based in Sydney, right? Yeah, so with Tim um, a lot. He does the magazine. Um, I also do some community engagement and some social media tasks for them. So, yeah, and I do do a little bit of skeptic stuff of my own on the side. On what? So what is your field? What's your background? So I'm an accredited practicing dietitian in Australia, which is what we call our dietitians. And most of the activism I've done has been around, you know, basically, you know, action towards unsafe practices in health um, associated with nutrition and health more broadly. So reporting regulated or unregulated health practitioners who might not be providing evidence-based care. So you must be a great fan of uh, Paleo Pete. <laughs> well, um, Paleo Pete has been someone who I have taken some action against and that worked out really well. Our Therapeutics Good Administration on the back of that um, did fine him um, and he has been subject to subsequent fines. And eventually he's lost his popularity but also his platform because he was not only a someone who was um, spreading a lot of misinformation about diet and health but he had a position on a very prime time tv show uh, which gave him a huge platform with millions of australians but he lost that position which has been really great wow congratulations that's some very good work oh thank you very much but it, it was it was it was um i was supported by other skeptics um in this and i really the whole skeptic community um it's something that claire talked about when she talked to us about the support of each other and um in all the the projects that I've been, I've, I've always had really tremendous support from other skeptics, but also from Australian skeptics. Things. So that's been really fantastic. That sounds amazing. What do you think of the the convention? The convention's been really good, and there's been some really um, surprising um, speakers. I really enjoyed the speaker from the Australian Sports Association talking about superstitions in sport mm -hmm. so I found that was really fantastic and also the alignment between her work with sports players and asking that question of what is the harm and testing that in her own work which it is something that skeptics are often asking themselves when they find things that are not evidence that question of is this something I should really take action against or is it something that's that's fairly benign and and not worth time or effort type of thing so it was quite interesting to see someone pose that what is the harm question in their professional life thank you very much mandy it's been a great pleasure meeting you so hope to see you again soon so uh, still on the corridors people are still still are walking around they're leaving the building uh, but here with me is stephen bavaro who was one of the speakers at the conference so what what um hi steve uh, what what was your talk uh, about well, generally it was titled um, Pseudo-Archaeology um, as a skeptic and as an archaeology and um, ancient history student. I've um, developed a specific interest in pseudo-archaeology and um, I thought it'd be a good topic to talk about because it's one of the newer topics that skeptics have devoted their attention to lately, especially with the proliferation of like how many of the documentaries and like and also like for a long time um, the pseudo-archaeology of um, Eric von Daniken and things like that. So. 
Did you come across that during your university studies as well, or it's just something that that, that came out of your own interest? Well, I, before I went to university, see, I, I went to university at the age of 48. I'm 52 now, so. But for the few years before that, I had been like um, introduced to the issues of skepticism, um, especially also mainly also through. Um, being interested in the new atheist movement and there was a bit of crossover and obviously secular humanism. So obviously I'd heard of, I'd obviously heard about James Randi and then I read Martin Gardner's book and all the classics of skepticism. And then I realized um, that yeah, skeptics were beginning to devote their attention to um, not just Eric von Daniken, even before then like um, the way um, Atlantis is still a thing. And you sometimes you get discouraged and you sort of say, how is Atlantis still a thing? But it's very popular. and. Then I got interested, like in my talk about the crossover effects. A lot of New Agers obviously believe in Atlantis, so if the New Agers, they're obviously going to have a lot of other pseudoscientific or fringe beliefs, and there's a crossover. And a lot of them will be conspiracy theorists because they'll think that you know big archaeology or big history is covering up a lot of um, a lot of the real history or the forbidden history. Take your pick, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's right. So you you gave a very interesting talk, and. How hum I'm hum humbled I am to be not just attending this. It was great. I initially came here as an attendee, and also just to be a speaker, but to be on the same on the same bill as many great skeptics, and also to be interviewed by you because I'm a regular listener of your program. So thank, thank you very you. much. I'm very humbled, and um, thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. Oh, thank you very much, and it's been a pleasure seeing you around and meeting you. So um, I hope to see you again at some event uh, somewhere around the world. So uh, yeah, Stephen Bavaro. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and I hope to um, go to Europe eventually and meet you guys. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. It, it looks like the convention has uh, well basically ended. Uh, this was uh, the conclusion this afternoon. Uh, we are sitting on a Sunday at the National Library of Aust Australia, and here with me is fellow Hungarian, William William Vargo. Yep, that's right, William Varga. Can you say something in Hungarian? Uh, oh, put on the spot. Uh, Whatever's fine. I'm at Gondor, Gondor, hogy mondok magyarul, de nem nem vagyok nem nagyon jó beszélek, mert nagyon ritkán gyakorolom, de yeah. Thank you. That was great. And uh, I understand your father is Hungarian. Ah, uh, yeah, he is Hungarian, and my mother as well. Oh, both of them. Okay. But you were born here? Yeah, I was born in Australia. So I was born in Melbourne and then moved to Queensland around Brisbane in when I was about 10 years old. So uh, how often do you go to these uh, conventions? Uh, the first time was in 2019. I went to the one in Melbourne. I met the Skeptics Guide and Bob Novella and all that. He was a nice guy. And um, yeah, last couple of years, COVID didn't really go get a chance but yeah I just thought this year I wanted to come back and uh, get to meet the people again I wanted to meet you guys because I listen to you on the podcast quite regularly so you're on the podcast list oh well, that's quite flattering yeah I listen to uh, it's about 50 minutes to drive to work so I listen to a lot of podcasts on the way to work and back so yeah you guys are on the definitely on the rotation every time a new one out yep listen to that one <laughs> Thank you very much for that. And uh, so how long have you been identifying as a skeptic? And, and what's your professional background? I kind of work for government. So, but probably I'm trying to think back. I started listening to the Skeptics Guide probably in 20, 
16, 17, and that was kind of when I started. And then sort of went from there, listened to their back catalogue, and then kind of went through all the all the different podcasts, and then kind of, yeah, it was just an interesting interesting thing. I know I always thought that way. I always liked science and trying to find the, the truth of matters, so to speak. So find out, like, what's what's real and what's not real and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I just didn't realise before then that there was an actual name for the group. Now that I got involved, yeah, I just, like, coming in, talking to all the people and all that kind of stuff. Did you have fun this weekend? Yeah, it was a good weekend, yeah, just coming here. It's the first time I've been to one in Canberra, and there's, I've been to Canberra a few times, but I haven't been to the, to the National Library, so that was kind of interesting to see this place, and, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, it's, it was a pleasure meeting you, and uh, I really hope to see you around Europe at some yeah, point. Yeah, we'll be looking to uh, go. Yeah, definitely. We're looking to go back to uh, Hungary and around Europe in a couple of years, so uh, definitely I'll be dropping you a line and be catching up. All right. Thank you very much, William. No see you. Thank you. See you, Andros. Yes, but now we have a couple of regular things to, to go through, as usual, on the episode. So why don't we start with Twish, also known as This Week in Skeptical History. So I'm going to talk about someone uh, this week who celebrates the birthday, his birthday on the very day of this recording, which is the 20th of December. And he was born in 1946 to a very interesting family because uh, he's um, part Jewish, part Hungarian, part Austrian. His uh, father's name was Geller Izak, and uh, that is a very typical Hungarian Jewish name. Mm. The mother was Austrian by the name Monty Freud, allegedly, and at least this is what the guy claims, is a distant relative or was a recent distant relative of Sigmund Freud. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, Gellir Izak, any ideas as to who that person might be? And if we can trust him, if he says his mother is related to Sigmund Freud. I wouldn't trust him with anything. No. Um, <laughs> and that, that person is Uri Geller. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I do wish him a very happy birthday. Hmm. Is just I wish he didn't have uh, such a such a great wealth based on and built on scamming people. So um, wh- what are we talking about? Well, he used to claim, at least he used to, because he kind of backed out of that uh, a couple of years ago, probably because of the attacks from skeptical circles. But he used to claim that he had telepathic and psychokinetic capabilities, Mm. which is quite a bold claim. I mean, especially because it was mostly built upon his stage performances, well, specifically bending spoons. Well, he's, it's basically a magic trick as demonstrated by James Randi on many, many occasions. By the way, James Randi wrote a book on him as well with the title The Truth About Uri Geller. Oh, by the way, mentioning the name, it's Uri, not Yuri, as um, many, people, many people uh, tried, to, tried to say it. A very interesting thing happened a um, long, long time ago. I think it was in the 1970s when um, he was um, a guest at uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And Johnny Carson was an amateur 
probably even a bit more than that magician himself. So he had a a vague idea as to how this could be done, but he had a good relationship with uh, James Randi, and they asked James Randi to try to debunk his claims and on stage. And uh, yeah, Randi did his his part, but he ended up being um, revealed not to have any psychic powers. However, he claimed that it was just not not very strong. The, the, The force was not very strong with him that day and uh, it really backfired because he got a lot of requests for public appearances after that show so uh, it really didn't really do what it was supposed to do to expose him and then result in his demise Uh, well then the yeah, an interesting thing about that so but it it obvious it's very obvious even though he claims otherwise that it's a magic trick that he does with the spoons and uh james randy famously said about that that uh Uri Geller may have fi- psychic powers by means of which he can bend spoons if so he appears to be doing it the hard way <laughs> because obviously it's easier to do it as a magic trick but he performed a lot of other th- other stuff as well from mineral dowsing services that he provided internationally i mean very very widely all across the world for fees of around a million pounds each and a couple of hundred thousand pounds uh worth so it's ridiculous what a large fortune he managed to build up based on the his weird claims and um, uh, he had a Hungarian connection as well. In 1992, he was asked to investigate the kidnapping of a Hungarian model. And uh, obviously he predicted that, oh, she's fine and she would be found uh, unharmed. Well, she has never been found and uh, probably murdered. Another failure of his is that he claimed that he could uh, stop Theresa May and the UK from leaving the EU. Well... <laughs> We know what how it resulted, right? <laughs> but referring back to our Australian friends, his bending spoons kind of activities inspired the Ben Spoon Award, which is the award that the Australians give out to people who scam other people. Shonky so, people, yes. Yeah, shonky people, exactly. <laughs> so yes, um, I just wanted to give a, a, a quick overview of uh, what his achievements and uh, his wrongdoings, but um, I think he is definitely a part of skeptical history because a lot of skeptics from John Nichol to Ray Hyman and others did investigate his work and, well, his, his uh, claims and the aforementioned James Randi as well. So... Yes. Happy birthday, Uri Geller. Please stop stop making those weird claims. Stop, stop it now. <laughs> and, he's still, and he hasn't stopped. He's still making outrageous no. claims once in a while. 76. He's turning 76 today. Mm. And he's still making all those weird claims. And he's on, on tour occasionally. Some yeah. weird, weird stuff. Uh, did you know, Andras, that he had a TV series as well? It was mm-hmm. a, 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 yes. In the US, it was called The Successor. And then it was translated into other countries as well. Yeah, German, for example. Yes, as Phenomenon. And there was a Hungarian version of that. Have you seen it? There was. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was called The Mentalist, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He did a Swedish version as well, called Mm. Phenomenon. And they only did a few episodes. And the the first episodes were about an hour long. But mm. nobody was watching it, so they tried to shorten it down to 40 <laughs> minutes, then to 30 minutes. And after, I think after the fifth episode, they just cancelled the whole thing because they didn't get any viewers. 
But there is an interview with one of our Swedish skeptics who interviewed him while he was in Stockholm, just around that time. It was around 2011 or so, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> well, in German, it was called The Next Uri Geller. Yeah. Un Unglaubliche Phänomene Live. <laughs> Unglaubliche. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Phenomenon. So that's phenomenon is in, in there as well, right? In there too, yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. actually even had two seasons. Oh. Mm. Oh, so, yes. And I just realized that I was wrong. It wasn't The Mentalist. It was called The Chosen One. Ah, okay. Who's going to be the successor of Uri Geller? It was all on the same idea that he yes. was going to find the next Uri Geller somehow. Oh, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like we ridiculous need another one. Ridiculous stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, fun fact. Last week, I mentioned him also because he teamed up for a little while with Jonathan Kainer. Mm -hmm. the British astrologer who was featured on, on last week's uh, Twitch, when um, they uh, launched the Museum of Psychic Experience in uh, the city of York. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he lived, he lived in the UK for a long, long time, by the way, mm. and then he moved back to Israel. And, yeah, he speaks, he speaks a little bit of Hungarian still, by the way. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So in, That's in actually that show, more impressive than his boom bending. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving on, mm -hmm. because now you're back, Pontus, I definitely want to hear you poke the Pope again. So I hope you have something to do for it. <laughs> yes, I do. On okay. 17th of December, Frankie turned 86 years old. Ooh, happy birthday. Yeah. So as far as the historical record goes, only seven popes before him has been older while in office. So he's mm. getting to be one of the older popes. According to Wikipedia, there have been 266 popes that have been documented over the years. It could be one or two less, but they, they list 266 Mm -hmm. And uh, this means now that Frank is among the top 3% of the oldest popes that have ever been in office. So he's, he's getting on there. <laughs> Benedict XVI, who was before uh, Frankie, he actually resigned when he was just 85. So uh, oh. Frankie has beaten him now. He's also been the pope longer than Benedict was, and he will celebrate 10 years as the pope next year. And uh, wow. Benedict was only the pope for almost eight years. Anyway, I don't know if that's a competition, but, but it's uh, <laughs> putting it in perspective. He's, he's getting on there in, in age. Yeah. But being old doesn't mean he is above getting into trouble. Two weeks ago, Frankie put his foot in it again when he made a statement about uh, alleged war crimes when it comes to uh, Ukraine. So in this statement, he started out saying that he had received much information about the cruelty of the troops. And that, that's not controversial. But then he said, quote, As a rule, the most cruel, perhaps, are those who are from Russia. So, all right, so so far, so good. I think most of us agree with that. That's what we hear. But then he continued, they are from Russia, but do not adhere to the Russian tradition. They are Chechens, Buryats, and so on. So that backfired from all sides. Russia, on the one hand, was upset that they were being pointed at as being cruel, but, you know... We all know who the aggressor is here, so that's not yeah. controversial from our point of view. 
But everybody else was also upset because he blamed ethnical minorities for the cruelties. So it wasn't the Russian Russians that was cruel. It was these minorities. And that's not cool. You don't no. <laughs> put... You don't label ethnical groups as being bad guys like that. That that's that's really. Uh, you don't kick on people like you don't kick down basically. No, exactly. I mean, you don't separate like that. It's not like you put down as those people are more cruel than those people. You you don't do that. That's mm -hmm. that's uh, not right. So mm -hmm. well, and then to make it worse, uh, in the aftermath of all this, Russia demanded an apology for what he had said. So, on the 15th of December, the Vatican confirmed that Frankie had indeed apologized to Russia for his remark. So, I, I don't know what his, uh, really his game is here, because he's been trying all along to be sort of neutral. Because he has this dream about the Pope can maybe be some sort of negotiator or mediator between the, the different parties here. So he doesn't want to piss off the Russians too much. Now he's doing that, and he's pissing everybody else off as well. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand why the Pope should ha have a job as a mediator like this. I, I think if that was ever a thing, that was uh, a couple of hundred years ago. And he should not try to stay neutral at every cost, even as he fails to do that now. Because sometimes one side is actually the aggressor, the bad side, and you should be firm and point that out. So, I don't know, maybe this is his age showing and perhaps he should consider the stepping down. That's what I was going to ask Yeah, you. Th yeah. That, that's Whether the big speculation, be the right? Because mm -hmm. we, kn we know that, well, Benedict did it and uh, I, we know that he has toyed with the idea but he's always, always ended any such statement with saying, but I'm not going to do it. I don't know uh, where what to think. He's... I think in the end, he's too stubborn to step down. He wants to be the Pope until, uh, well, he croaks, basically. Well, that's what the job entails. So if, if, you, if you think about it, it's supposed to be like that. So until your, your death, uh, it, it's, it's until your last, last breath. Yeah, it's sort of in the job description, which is it a is. terrible job description for any job. Because if you eventually become too old to perform the task then of course you should step down. That, that's natural for any, we Not to switch the subject, but we see that when we, we go to um, across the pond and look at the Supreme Court of the US where they appointed for life. And that is in some way mm -hmm. disastrous. Mm -hmm. So that, that's not good. No, no job should last forever. You should step down when the time comes. Well, there are those occasions when uh, we're not necessarily that unhappy about that decision. Think about uh, Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> well, we were lucky Think there that she didn't become demented and, and crazy yeah. at the end because people can become that. Yeah. Or the people can be like that without being too old, like uh, his, her That's son. True. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you very much, mm -hmm. Pontus, for poking the Pope once again. Thank you. Good to have you back. It's it's very important uh, for the for the Pope to be in check all the time. Right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to discussing a couple of uh, the latest happenings across Europe.
Yeah, and um, my news are very surprising, and that is that fortune tellers were right. <laughs> wow. Okay, Ooh. we should probably we, we close down to, the show then. Yeah, yeah. Let's and let's do definitely it. have to tell that to Richard Saunders, who keeps exactly. track of, of <laughs> events, <laughs> the, those kind of fortune telling <laughs> things, events. Well, the thing is that Canadian fortune teller Nikki Pissarro foretold that the Queen would pass. Oh no! <gasps> oh, so they nobody go, would have guessed. Nobody would have guessed that. I think exactly. every fortune teller has <laughs> said that for the past twenty years, and yeah. eventually one of them would have to be right. Yeah, but she just refused to do it. The for, other for thing is years. that she foretold one thousand and sixty-four world predictions. Mm. So In one year. Yes, for twenty twenty-two. Oh, boy. so, so just, almost yeah, almost th- three per day. Yeah, how many did he get right? So just to give you an idea, she also said Kate and William could perhaps have another child. The Queen has to be careful of falling. The Queen passes away in a car accident around <laughs> Prince Andrew. Meghan Markle could turn to Buddhism or Scientology. One of the royals could be poisoned, or Meghan Markle reunites well, with well, her hang father. Hang on, hang on. Could be, maybe, <laughs> perhaps. That's not a prediction. Yeah, That's exactly. Just pure speculation. <laughs> yeah. And there are other things that like could be lucky hits, but they're also not lucky if you make like over a thousand predictions. For example, she felt foretell a foretold Russia Ukraine build up, lots of bullets flying. A fire coming out of the ground in some cities, mini earthquakes in the Earth's core, um, resignation around the Vatican, including the Pope. <laughs> so there are like very vague things and also things like if you know if you just hit enough or if you just shoot enough in, in, in any direction and you will hit someone, you know. Or in German we say ein blindes Hund findet auch mal ein Korn. Which means, Bless you. <laughs> which means, a blind chicken will also find grains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have that as well. We yeah. have that too. Mm. We have that too. Mm. The same thing. <laughs> so, so, so the question, is, the question is, out of these, how many th- thousand did you say it was? One thousand and sixty-four. How many of those were correct? I mean, I already heard that the queen would die in a car accident. That wasn't correct. So <laughs> well, you could you could say one, but you could also say you don't count any of that mm-hmm. because it's so vague. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we would say yeah, maybe that's... maybe one per mil, so to say, but right. maybe yeah. maybe even less <laughs> if we're strict. <laughs> mm. Well, and this this is the way to do the mm-hmm. your prediction. Like be vague enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. if it's just like that, it's that low then this person is worse than the average yes. from uh, Richard Saunders' investigation. Yes, because exactly, I think there exactly. was like a 10 or 11%. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's actually what I wanted to say, that yeah. it's uh, close to the Great Australian Psychic Prediction Project mm. that they did with 3,800 paranormal uh, fortune tellings. <laughs> mm. And yeah, it was about 11% of predictions that were correct yeah and these are already like very generous so with this fortune teller that i talked about if you're generous you could probably also reach the 11 percent, but only if you're generous yeah <laughs> yeah so what we can say is i lied at the beginning you should always be skeptical of what i tell you guys um <laughs> <laughs> it's like no fortune tellers were not right <laughs> no 
But sometimes it's just uh, you, you just at least need to know stuff about the world to make a prediction. Like I just clicked on the link, and prediction number five says a lot more countries in Europe will want to be independent. Yes, <laughs> there is no country that is not independent in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, arguably, <laughs> Cyprus can be borderline yeah. parts of it. But still, <laughs> Europe is made up of independent countries. What, what so I liked uh, most was kangaroos being stolen from a wildlife reserve in Australia. Did that happen? Was it you? Did it happen? Was it you, Pontus? I, I don't think so. I, I, I checked all my luggage when I got home. I haven't got a kangaroo. You didn't Not steal a spare any kangaroos. One anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it illustrates the the methodology or the how how they work. Mm -hmm. These psychics, they just like a machine gun. They fire away as many predictions as they can, and then if they get one hit, then they j yeah. just delete the others, and they say, "Well, I knew this one." Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, on to the next one then. A Swedish 30-year-old woman has been partly paralyzed and suffered brain damage after visiting a quote-unquote alternative masseur. So no. Yeah, so very tragic. Uh, the details are not exactly clear on at this point, but the woman became dizzy, nauseous, and vomited during the so-called treatment, which included adjustments of her neck. So the first report said that the pr practitioner was a chiropractor, which makes sense because that's the kind of things that they do. They believe that all kinds of things can be treated or cured by manipulating the neck and the spine. And, uh, I, and it's not just back pain and things like that. It's diseases as well. <laughs> as I said, we don't know all the details here. But if you twist the neck rapidly, as you do as a chiropractor, there is the possibility that the arteries uh, to the head are damaged uh, in exactly the way that happened to this woman. Of course, the practitioner himself says that it had nothing to do with the treatment but yeah what should of you course say? not yeah of yeah, course yeah. not so since the chiropractic was mentioned the head of the swedish chiropractic association a guy called jakob petterson uh, petterson i think it is he immediately made several claims uh, to defend chiropractic and the practice uh, and at the same time he said there is, look at listen to this he said there is no evidence that chiropractic treatment can cause this kind of damage he also said that it's very rare so okay but isn't that <laughs> rather contradicting it itself right if you have no evidence then by def definition you don't know how rare it is don't you and isn't it phenomenal that he he mentions chiropractic and evidence in the same yeah, sentence and yeah. just talks rubbish? Yeah, right. It's ah uh, yeah yeah yeah. So, and he, he went into all kinds of explanations or excuses. So he said, "There's no evidence that the neck manipulation can cause this damage. It is at same the same time very rare, and anyway, it can only happen if the practitioner does not have a certificate." Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, it depends on the certificate, so, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, so it cannot happen, but if it happens, it's because you don't have a certificate. Yes, of uh, course. Yeah, right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, and as an aside about certification, yes, in Sweden, you can become a certified chiropractor. That is bad. I don't think that is good because it, it legitimizes the, the actual practice, which has no 
evidence? I, I, the guy is partly right. He says there's no evidence. Yeah, there's no evidence. So what I want to say also is that there's nothing in chiropractic that is unique, that is good or safe and, and effective. There are, there, I'm sure there are chiropractors out there who can give you a nice massage. They can even do some physiotherapy and they can do that well. But that is not because they are chiropractors. The chiropractic, quote unquote, elements are not adding value to the therapy that they provide. Mm -hmm. So this is why I don't think it should be certified because it gives it um, a legitimacy that it doesn't deserve. Yeah. Well, a legitimacy that is not deserved can be given to other people like uh, fitness or health gurus who keep uh, talking rubbish about stuff. And this happens with uh, one of the most famous ones in Hungary. His name is uh, Norbert Schobert. No, and, does it uh, rhyme, actually? Norbert, Norbert Schobert. Schobert. <laughs> it sounds Nor- like that Norbert to me. Schobert. No, no, no. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no, he, he started back in the 1990s, I think. He was a um, police officer turned fitness guru. So he lost a lot of weight through doing a lot of exercise. And uh, then he became this uh, self-made fitness guru. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not a problem. It's it's a good thing, apart from the fact that he's very big on fat shaming. Oh. He's terrible like that. And, and there have been a couple of controversies around him because of that. But why I wanted to mention him is because his products are being sold uh, in a franchise system. Mm-hmm. So the product being so-called healthy products... And uh, he claims them to be very, very healthy and better for your overall health and for losing weight, mostly because of uh, being sweetened with fructose instead of uh, sucrose. He makes very weird claims about all that. And he has had a couple of clashes with the Hungarian Competition Authority as well, Mm. because he made claims that were untrue about his own products uh, relating to to people's health. But now uh, his shops are closing down and the the reason for that is because for some reason there is a bit of a glitch in the supply system that he works with and uh, unfortunately a lot of people don't trust him anymore because of his ties to a Hungarian government circles Uh, so One of the board members of his company and incorporates his company is a relative of Viktor Orban. So, uh, that's, and that's, that's not a good thing in the eyes of the Hungarian public nowadays. Well, not when business is very bad with the products because of the claims that he makes and that recently he has made a couple of very weird ones blaming everything on Brussels and on the sanctions against Russia, which is what the government does as well. But uh, now he joined the bandwagon as well mm-hmm. and uh, and it's, it's ridiculous. I just wanted to take the opportunity to mentioned how weird his usual claims are the most ridiculous ones are that sugar is poison and Mm -hmm. he also claims that it's addictive Mm. So neither of them is true. I mean, yes, it can be perceived by your body as a, a reward and the reward mechanisms kick in. But in the medical sense, it's not addictive. So it, you can want to consume more, but and, and it will result in you gaining more fat and more weight. But it's not an addiction as such. No. 
The other claim of his, and this is why a friend of mine, uh, who's a board member of our Hungarian Skeptic Society, named him the biochemist of the nation, because, because he claimed that the molecular structure of sugar is similar to that of cocaine. Mm. Well, the only similarity, so this is this is how clueless he is, because the only similarity is that cocaine is a cyclic compound, of course, and sucrose is a, a dimer of two simple sugars that do have a cyclic form so that is about the similarity that you can find and he talks about the chemical symbol of cocaine i don't know if that sounds weird to you it does i didn't know that cocaine had a chemical symbol <laughs> it doesn't yeah yeah, it doesn't because chemical symbols are used yeah, for, for like elements. pure things, yeah. not like combinations, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right. so chemical formulas are what we're talking about. And they have a similarity because they have carbon, they have hydrogen, and they have oxygen in them. Like sugar, uh, like C6, that's, that's H12, H12 yeah, and yeah. so on. <laughs> So when you write them down, it's, it, it's, it looks a little bit similar. So this is probably the basis of wow. him claiming that, that it's very similar in structure. But the, the most weird, when, it, when the pandemic was still raging on, he claimed, well, it was an international thing. So he, he didn't come up with it himself. He just joined the choir that inside the masks that we wear, small worms form out of bacteria. Out of bacteria, form. worms form. So... So an evolutionary process in our mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So because of all this, last year in 2021, when we gave out the first Flat Earth Award, he was mm. among the nominees and we didn't nominate him. It was our supporters, our followers <laughs> who nominated him for mm -hmm. being such an idiot. So, uh, yeah. And his products are not being popular enough at the moment. So he, a lot of the shops in the franchise system are going good. down now. So Very that's good. a good thing to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this, but there is a law called the conservation of energy. Have you heard? Oh, it's a natural law. <laughs> no, it's no, not, it's, it's, not, like it's like not an EU, EU law. Hasn't passed Congress law. or whatever. <laughs> So uh, everybody should know about this. I, I'm, I'm not a physicist or a physicist, as they say, <laughs> but I but I have gone to school. Actually, people don't know this, but you. I have been to school. <laughs> I'm sure there's a more accurate way of putting this, but in my head, this law says that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can just be transformed or transferred, something along this line. And, and, and this is why you can't uh, create a perpetual motion machine and uh, you can't create a heating pump which generates more energy than you feed into it, which will become relevant in a few seconds uh -huh. here. <laughs> there is no free energy and you cannot create something out of nothing. And as I said, not everyone is aware of this fact. A so-called inventor in Sweden last week got his sentence increased from two and a half years in prison to five years plus deportation. Over several years, this quote-unquote inventor managed to attract around 7 million euro from investors by claiming that he had developed a machine that could produce 8 kilowatt hours by feeding it only 1 kilowatt hour. This was some sort of heat exchanger, it wasn't clear from the article I read, but it was based on something that this fraudster called, quote, synchrotonic energy, end quote. Have no idea what it is, probably nothing, it's probably <laughs> a made up word, and um, it is, of course, nonsense. 
Anyway, now he has been convicted to five years for five separate cases of aggravated fraud. And uh, this is why mm -hmm. everybody needs to study physics and natural sciences in school. Even if you want to become something totally different, you should have some basic understanding for this. Or you risk fall for this kind of con artists. Yeah. Yeah. Besides, it's all fascinating. I mean, everything about nature is so fascinating, especially the fact that uh, you can have a couple of occasions when you put in a certain amount of energy and you can get out even mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. The ignition of the uh, nuclear fusion right. reaction comes to Thus. mind. But it's a mistake to think that you actually get more energy out of the system than it, than there is because it's not generate it doesn't generate energy it it transforms it, um, mm -hmm. transforms it's like one of energy the that is allowed to according to the law yes yeah. you can transform energy exactly you but you can't create it out of nothing yes, it's one of the most basic things yes, that yes, it can't exactly. you know uh, yeah only transforms se yeah, yeah. seven million euro. That's quite a lot of money mm -hmm. that he collected. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of money. I, I hope they money. could locate that money as well and give it back to the investors that had been fooled. Mm -hmm. But you know what? He could be caught because it was a product mm. that was yeah. fraudulent. But what about Uri Geller, who has built up a fortune on scamming people and he's running without anyone trying to stop him. I mean, we keep trying to stop him, but we cannot <laughs> because people want him and authorities cannot do yeah, anything with right. him because he doesn't claim anything that is... Right. Um, and, and it's, yeah, speaking of him, he actually said after, or he has said since, when he was exposed by Randy in the 70s, he thought his career yeah. was over. He thought, this is it. I, I will never be able yeah. to do this again. But people just yeah. come back and, and they still want to believe. And yeah. I guess he's, I yeah. don't know, I don't think so, but I guess people think he's rather charismatic and interesting to listen to. And I, I don't know. I don't no. agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, find me him irritating. Me too. But, but uh, apparently but yeah. some people do find him <laughs> convincing. So, <laughs> Well, it's, it's really wrong. Yeah. yeah. What what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which, that's a good segue. See, speaking of which, uh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, it's time for us to find out who's been really wrong, <laughs> apart from Uri Geller, of course. Yes, and um, this week I want to talk about a British politician, Andrew Bridgen, who claims that. The vaccines, the mRNA COVID vaccines, are not safe, not effective, and not necessary. Wow. Mm hmm. Mm. <laughs> he said, okay. Yeah, he said that since the rollout in the UK of the BioNTech Pfizer mRNA vaccine, we have had almost half a million reports of adverse effects from the public. And even worse, he said that uh, people from the British Heart Foundation were suppressing evidence that the COVID vaccines cause heart damage. Why would they do that? That's the question. <laughs> I don't so know. he also behaved like badly in a, in another way, being being just like very rude and arrogant in treating other people. But the problem mm. is that he's a politician. People look sometimes look up to politicians, and he's a role model, or he should at least be a role model. So it's it's very short and sweet for 
claiming that a very life-saving, amazing vaccine would be not safe, not effective and not necessary. Andrew Bridgen receives our prize of this week for being really wrong. Mm, yeah. Yeah, at least politicians should be aware of the weight yeah. of their claims. I mean, that it's a responsibility mm -hmm. they bear exactly. with, with all that. And, uh, they, should they should always should do their research that. first. <laughs> I think you're expecting too much if you want uh, politicians to feel responsible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I do their research, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, I think um, we can we just establish that this is yeah. the problem mm -hmm. with the world. Right. I mean... <laughs> It would be a better world with uh, politicians mm -hmm. who feel their responsibility. All right. But we should be responsible in the sense that we're not using up too much of the time of our listeners. So let's try to do a short and sweet conclusion to the show, which comes with a nice quote. Yes. And this week's quote is um, by Niels Bohr, Danish physicist and philosopher, And he lived from 1885 to 1962. He said, and I quote, An expert is a person who has made all the mistakes that can be made in a very narrow field. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> That's why I'm not an expert. I have made a lot of mistakes, but I do it all over the place. It's not <laughs> yes. just a narrow field. <laughs> I'm the same <laughs> I do it everywhere <laughs> and you haven't made them all yet that's that's another thing no no I'll make a couple of new ones tomorrow I think <laughs> yeah me too but try, let's try to avoid the mistake of getting this too long uh, so I'd like to thank both of you Arika and Pontus for joining me today thank you thanks a lot Many, many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis lat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schwab and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Good Frohe Weihnachten! Boldog Karácsonyt! Kellemes ünnepeket!